a little more subdued. Hi, everybody. Much better. This is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And we are here to talk about Bellingham, the city of subdued, whatever we decide to talk about. We want to get to know you, Bellingham. Both the well-known. And not so well-known. Uh, we are joined, as always, by our quarantine co-hosts, uh, Burrito, the bad boy on the porch, and Roby, the runaway dog. Yes. We're going to tell some stories about how our boys got up to no good this week. Um, Annika, do you want to start? Sure. Um, so, Romy, well, the first one is that, you know, Romy ran outside, but Tom was getting him kind of riled up first. He was like, yeah, yeah, bud, let's go on it. And I don't even want to say the word because he's right there. The <laughs> W-A-L-K word. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're going, we're going. And then Tom went outside to just get the mail. And Romy was upset that he was not taking him for a walk. So he, like, aggressively tried to get through the door and did and ran down the street. And Tom ran after him and, Romy, Romy, Romy! Um, and I had to help and we had to corner him in somebody's front yard. Yeah. Isn't that the way it is? Yeah. And then uh, yesterday we were working on our yard and we were throwing... Um, large chunks of cement around and Romy really wanted to go outside and so he got stuck in the cat door again <laughs> I love this part and he just and I'll post the picture of it because it's pretty funny he just like it's way too small for him anyways and then now he's gotten kind of chunky so now he doesn't stand a chance getting through and he just got stuck and just stared at us and did the um the scream cry that he does that's like <sighs> He does it whenever he sees a deer, a puppy, or a baby. Because I don't think he knows what to do with them. So he just, like, screams at them. <laughs> but, so, yeah, that's what Romy did this week. Aside from that, right now he's sleeping right next to me. So Burrito got in big trouble. So I was sitting on the couch, you know, doing work. And I got the dreaded phone call. The dreaded phone call is I pick up an unknown number. And somebody on the, on the other line goes, hi, do you have a cat? I'm like, oh, no. Yes, I have a cat. What's wrong? He's like, well, I found your cat on my porch. And I'm like, oh, okay. I can come get him if you want. Where do you live? She's like, um, well, I live in bloopity bloopity bloop apartment, but I'm on the third floor. <laughs> like, ah. So it was in your apartment complex, right? Not my apartment complex. <laughs> a different apartment complex. Um, a little bit down the street on the third floor. And I was so upset at him. Because he does this sometimes. Where he'll... <laughs> this is the first time he's climbed up to the third story of an apartment. But he has climbed up to the second story of an apartment before. And so my boyfriend often has to like scale up people's balconies with a backpack and then shove the cat in the backpack and then climb back down. It's very precarious and it always makes me super nervous that, you know, both people I love are like plummet to their demise. And it like the, this time it's like, it's not even our building. He's bothering someone. This like poor stoner girl. Who's like, just trying to, you know, get her 420 on or whatever. Yeah. And just like, you know, climbing up to her balcony and then screaming at her because he can't get down. Luckily, he had his collar on. I just worry that um that he's going to climb up to somebody's balcony one day in a far off place and it's going to be an apartment where nobody lives. It's going to be a, a big old mess. It's going to be up there for days. Well, I mean, and... we would we would go looking for him obviously, but he might be yes. kind of hard to find. Well, and like you were saying, too, there's so many people that, because you live pretty close to campus, mm -hmm. and there's so many people that just went home, mm -hmm. and what if it was in somebody's apartment where there was nobody there? Right? And he was just uh, and, stuck and there. So he, he got, Brandon came home and he was carrying him, and Annika, we were on the phone I, at the time, so her, you heard me really lay into the cat. Burrito, you're grounded. You're never going outside again, you bad animal. <laughs> oh. he... Yeah, she grounded her cat. Yep, he Maria stands. 
background at her cat. He stayed inside all day yesterday, um, much to his upsetness. I know that he doesn't know, but I just, I'm so pissed off at him. I couldn't give him what he wanted. Not in good conscience. No. All right. And it's just funny how, I mean, sometimes I, I feel like they probably don't know what they're getting punished for, but sometimes I think they do. At least with dogs. I don't know cats very well. But, like, um, Romy, when he ran down the street, Tom came back in and um, he he just put him in the crate, which, yeah. And so he put him in the crate, left him in there for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, which during the day is a long time for him. He's usually not in the crate. And um, finally I open the crate and he gets out and he, like, barks at the ceiling and then goes and lays on the couch. He goes like, and then runs up and finds his usual spot. But it was like, like a burst of energy after he left his, uh, his, his cell. (laughs) But yeah, those are our precious angels. But, uh, so Maria, what is the hot goss in Bellingham this week? Well, speaking of hot, there have been several Ah. fires in town Uh. this week. I don't ah. know what it is, but I feel like there's more fires in Bellingham than any place I have ever lived. Um, yeah. Maybe I just wasn't and, paying attention, and, but I felt like nothing ever burned down in Vancouver, Washington. Yeah, maybe in Vancouver. In my hometown, I feel like I knew, like, seven people whose homes burnt down. Oh. And that's a town of 2,000, so it's like... That's a very high ratio. Yeah, I don't think people practice the best fire safety. Gotcha. So I think that might be it. But, I mean, I know in my neighborhood, because one of the fires was in Columbia, I haven't heard much about it. And actually, I drove by on my way back home today to see if I could see anything, but I couldn't see anything. Because um, I think it was like a back structure, like back of the... Mm-hmm. Some sort but, of um, shed or workshop or something. Yeah, but... Um, I know in my neighborhood, there's a lot of really old wiring, mm-hmm. and so electrical fires can happen. I know that's happened in York, too, where there's older homes that haven't had the wiring updated, and um, that can cause electrical fires in... Yeah. You know, there's... Before we moved here, I think there were actually several fires that happened in, like, dorms at Western... Uh, for like similar reasons that's why that's why they're so strict about like toasters and electric kettles and stuff like that yeah that makes sense I'll never forget one of the times we had a fire drill and I was living in Mathis and this poor girl was like outside in her towel and her shower cap (laughs) (sighs) Well, we had a, I used to live in a really big apartment complex in Rexburg, Idaho for my BYU stint. And uh, it was this gigantic complex that had a big old parking lot in the middle. And anytime one fire alarm would go off in somebody's apartment, the whole building fire alarm would go off and everyone had to evacuate. And so if somebody burnt their popcorn... The entire building had to evacuate, which was probably like, uh, I want to say it was five stories, a five-story apartment building with maybe 20 apartments on each floor. Mm-hmm. It was big. And so, yeah, Spe- a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And and speaking of that, I just remembered something that's really been pissing me off. Yes, so- let's hear it. My fire alarms in my house go off all the time for literally nothing. If I'm baking something in the oven, they'll go off. Just like no smoke, nothing. And then um, it's super annoying because there's three of them really close together. And they'll all go off like a minute separate from each other. And so I'm like (sighs) constantly running back and forth, like pushing all the buttons. And they're really loud. Um, So I'm glad the whole building doesn't have to be evacuated every time one of those goes off. Because everybody in my building would hate me. And then yesterday, um, you know how we're all like, 
not supposed to go out for unnecessary trips and Brandon and I ran out of snacks like four days ago. So I was trying to make some like homemade tortilla chips by like baking some off with a little bit of oil and seasoning in the oven. Mm-hmm. And they literally like caught on fire like there was smoke coming out of my oven. I like I didn't open it because I didn't want to introduce oxygen into the fire. But I, I knew that they were on fire inside just like because of the amount of smoke coming into the oven. And None of the fire alarms went off. <laughs> it's like my whole kitchen was covered in smoke. It was like billowing. And uh-huh. I like, oh. I like smelled it and I saw it and none, none of the safety precautions Nothing. did anything to help me. <laughs> Why? Oh. Why would that be? Because like the know. whole point is that, you know, there's little, little lasers and if something comes out or if it starts to get smoky, then the lasers detect that. There's something yeah. in the way, and that's when they go off. But, like, uh-huh. in a real time of crisis, when I <laughs> when my oven is on fire, they do nothing. I'm going to die in my sleep. Yeah. Your fire alarms are just, like, the ultimate trolls. Yeah. They're just, like, fucking with you at, the, at all the wrong times. Mm-hmm. And then, at one yeah. of the places I used to live, I had a fire alarm that went off every time somebody would, took a shower. Because of the steam. Oh, no. I think that one, like, got taken away and hidden in a drawer or something because it couldn't yeah. stand it anymore. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um. So, yeah, that's that's some stuff about fire alarms. <laughs> Super interesting. Uh, another thing that got announced recently is that I, Bellingham City decided it was going to... Um, put a put the kibosh on all fun activities through August. <sighs> Seems like we're gonna have to wait another year for summer. I know. So let's see. Some casualties of this will be the Fourth of July celebration, downtown sounds. What is it? Uh, Cornwall night market or commercial night market? I can't remember which one. I think it's Cornwall. I always get the two streets mixed up. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, I'm sure, like, plenty of fun activities that would have happened at the the market space, downtown parades, just like all that stuff you look forward to, community events. Because I think Bellingham really does have like some of the most beautiful summers. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it's when it's not smoky. Last summer was nice. The summer before that was. So smoky, smoky, it was almost intolerable. Speaking about, <laughs> we should get some smoke alarms outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's rough. That's sad. It is sad. But there's also some good news. So, Annika, you were mentioning to me the other day that there are some restaurants that are opening back up. So let's have a little conversation about that. What have you, what have you heard is going to be reopening for delivery and pickup and other things? So, Bayou just opened up. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Maria and I are huge fans of Bayou. Eat sweet potato fries forever. Oh, I know. I know. And uh, there, I went to pick it up because we we ordered it the day of. Tom has been talking about the fried chicken po' boy for, like, since it closed, he's like every week he's like, "Can we go? Can we go buy you?" I'm like, "Well, it's closed." Um, and so we went in, picked that up. I also realized that they do cocktail kits, which I was like, "What?" Oh, we'll have to get some. Oh, Annika, we forgot to get our cocktail kits from Swim Club this Fuck. week. Ah, okay, we have to go this this week. Like, I think we order on Thursdays. God, so- there we go. They're adding some yeah. new stuff to the like I always see them on Instagram, I'm like, Oh, I want that so bad. And then it's like Friday at three o'clock and I was like, Oh no, I missed it for like an hour. Shit. Uh, okay. okay. Well next week. Yeah. We're doing cocktail kits at, at Swim Club. Um you can also get cocktail kits from Bayou and also cocktail kits from Red Light, I think. I hope so. What I would do for a weed oh. eater and like a bowl of those sesame dumplings. Oh, or the what is strawberry redhead? Yeah, blonde redhead. Blonde redhead. That's it. Oh, so, so good. So good. 
I wonder, oh, Annika, do you remember it was like the night before everything went to shit and we were at red light and we got to try, we were like the only ones that got to try their new dessert. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And because, well, because when Maria talks about food and cocktails, especially in public, she sounds so legit and... I mean, at least I think she sounds legit. And apparently people, uh, like, bar owners do, too, because um, the, was he the manager of He was, like, Red the Light? head of the kitchen. Head of the kitchen was, like, heard her talking and was like, hey, you should try this out, and wanted to hear her opinion, and I was like, fuck. It was so Maria! good, too. It was, like, this amazing, like, if you could imagine, like, the texture of a butter butterfinger, but instead of peanut yes. butter, it was tahini, with oh. like, like lemon and like a chocolate drizzle or something. It was so good. Yes, it's very tasty. Uh, but they're opening for food too, so they just just reopened Red Light, and of course Swim Club just opened with their um, cocktail kits, and Mount Bakery just opened seven days a week. They were just doing weekends. But now it's seven days a week um, in the morning until, I think, one. Uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Saltadina Bakery? Yeah, they're the one on Holly, right? Yeah, and they're really good. I know. I've, I, very tasty. I've had their, like, it's like their cake scraps, like, mixed yes. up with frosting in oh. a little tub. It's so good. So fucking good. Uh, they, ju- they reopened recently. They took a little bit of time off just to... Um, get everything restructured um, and they are back up which I'm excited about um, Penny Lane Antique Mall is now doing curbside pickup for so, antiques? yeah you go to their Instagram story and they have like maybe 50 p- pictures of things and their prices oh and, my gosh um, that's so fucking yeah. Bellingham oh I know <laughs> but and I was like I was like, fuck, 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 fuck. I like, I, I was so excited because I love Penny Lane Antique Mall. I have so many things from there. And also Aladdin's downstairs. I'm like, I'm, I'm a big fan of antiques shopping. Um, and then uh, Pepper Sisters just opened up. I hope I can get an entire box of their honey butter soap and BS. <laughs> so good. Yum. But yeah. yeah, but I I think that that's all I've heard about. I know that there's probably others. So if anyone knows of anything else, let us know. Yeah, because I I just hope every every business can find a way to do something so that they don't have to be like all the way closed. Yeah. Um, and I you agree. know what? Hopefully, like some of these things will stay in place even after. Uh, all this quarantine stuff is over because there's lots of places that weren't delivering before that are delivering mm-hmm. now. It's like, Oh, it's so convenient. And like, yeah, obviously when everything opened back up again, I'm going to be eating out for like three weeks straight because I, I hate being home. <laughs> I'm so sick of it. Uh, but then after that, you know, find a nice balance again. Yes. I agree. All right, fans, That those are our hot takes on the hot topics for now, and we're going to head on over to our interview. Today we have a very special guest. Our guest today is Joy Wiggins. Joy is a speaker, writer, scholar, and facilitator. She is a professor at Western Washington University. She was one of my professors, and she also runs an equity and consulting, equity and con- inclusion consulting business. How are you doing today, Joy? Great. How are y'all doing? You know, as good as we can. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's such a strange question. I know. It's a, it is apparently our spring break. Mm-hmm. It just, it doesn't feel like it, which is fine. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same boat. It just, the the days are running together. Yeah. But the weather has been so beautiful lately. Like, I have my uh, sliding door open with my cat going in and out and... It's just nice. I think that's the silver lining to some of this is that the weather, at least up here, is nice. Yeah. Because I think if it was raining like it normally does, um, even those days that it was, I was just like, oh my gosh, this cannot do this. It cannot do this the whole time. <laughs> so. Be a huge bummer. Uh, since this is a 
Bellingham podcast, what brought you to Bellingham? Yeah, so I have um, a couple of ways that I got here. So back in 1998, I was living in Arizona, and I had met someone that was going to go to Western. And um, and at the time, I'd never even been, never even thought about Washington. I knew I had an uncle that lived in Oregon, and that's about all I knew about the Pacific Northwest. I'm originally from Texas, and I had lived um, in lots of different places. I'm a military brat, and plus I lived abroad, and but I just never even thought about Washington. And um, so this person was going to go to Western, and I had already finished my bachelor's, and I was kind of looking for a master's program. And so I just said, yeah, I'll just go up there. My, my dad had just died and I had had a couple of um, grandparents that had died. So it was, it was kind of a, a really grieving time for me too. So um, I was pretty distraught about my dad. And so I thought, you know, I need a change in pace and I need something good to happen um, someplace different. And so we came up here, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. What? I mean, as we came into I-5, every time I come into I-5 and mm. I pass Samish Lake, I'm like, what is this? And um, so when we drew, drove in, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is it. And uh, so I found Western. I got my master's in literacy at Western. We were the first cohort to offer a concentration in literacy. And so that was perfect timing. And then I went to... Um, I lived here for two years. That relationship didn't last. And then I uh, moved to China because there were actually, there at the time, in about 2000, there were no teaching jobs. So I was like, well, I can't stay in Bellingham. There's no employment for me. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go to China, and then I went and pursued my doctorate at Ohio State. And then I went to Texas and was a professor there for seven years. And um, But my dog died, and that was like my firstborn, mm-hmm. even though I had another firstborn. My dog was like the, before the baby. The OG. And yeah, the OG. And mm-hmm. um, and when he died, I was like, "Oh, where's my grieving place? Bellingham." So I picked up our little family. I was married, and um, I had a daughter that was about uh, a year old. And we came back up to Bellingham. I uh, what neighborhood do you live in in Bellingham, and what is your favorite part about it? Uh, well, I, well, I've lived in a couple different places so far. So Lettered Streets for a little bit. Um, and what I, I actually, I lived on Peabody Street. So shout mm-hmm. out to my Peabody people. Um, they <laughs> are still my buddies. And um, I actually, I haunt Peabody Street on Halloween quite a lot. And um, so that was real, that was probably one of my favorite neighborhoods because it's so central. And it's right, you, know, you can go to that Hagen, you can go um, pretty much anywhere. You can ride your bikes downtown pretty quickly. Um, and then I lived on um, Cornwall and Alabama Street for a little bit. And then I lived on, um, and then I most recently, for the last four years, lived in the Alderwood neighborhood. And um, we had a little house there on a third of an acre. We had chickens and... Um, a horse living behind us, which is what sold me to that neighborhood. And we recently, just yesterday, closed on it, and we sold it to um, Ruby's second grade teacher, my daughter's second grade teacher, which is great because it's such a great house, and I was really upset about leaving it. Um, but we sold it to such an amazing person that I was, felt way better about it. And now we're living in Fairhaven. Yeah. So... <laughs> So yeah. yeah, yeah. When y'all asked me that, I was like, "Oh gosh, I just moved yesterday. My hands are still sore from all the moving and the packing and all of that." So, yeah, definitely. So, um, because you've lived in Bellingham for a long time and you've got experience with lots of different parts of it, we're curious to know what your uh, favorite Bellingham story is. And this is something that will be amusing to people and hopefully contain a person, place, or thing that is recognizable. Oh, okay. Um, I thought about that. And I was like, oh, gosh, okay, what story do I have? So I would say because, I've, because I'm a military brat, this, and I, maybe this is just unfamiliar to me, but um, 
you know, you move so much, you don't really run into people that you know that often. Mm. And, um, but Bellingham, I call it like the Bellingham conundrum because like you see somebody and you're like, oh, I know this person. And I typically, first thing I'm like, oh God, oh God, oh God, how do I know this? How do I know the context, context? Because whatever it is, it's out of context if I see them. And if it's not in my class or if it's not, you know, my immediate friend group or, you know, if it's somebody that I know that I've met or I'm pretty sure I've met or at least I've seen a lot, it's usually at that Meridian Hagen. <laughs> and... I can't sometimes. So if I go out and I see somebody, I'm like, oh my God, do I know that person? Or is it the Bellingham Hagen? What is it? Or is it Meridian Hagen? And I call that the Bellingham conundrum. Because then that person will also look at me and we're like, uh, okay, how do we know each other? How do we know each other? And I'll start listing off Western, no, um, Peabody, no, Columbia, no, uh, you know, what is it the schools? Plus, I go out to schools all the time and I observe student teachers, like with you, Annika, like, I've met so many different people. So it's just like, oh, God, oh God how do I know them? So I kind of call that the Bellingham conundrum. And half the time I'm like, it's probably just the, you know, the Hagen on Meridian. I've probably just seen you there. And I think that I know you because I see you there so often. So I, I don't know if that is kind of um, answers your question. but No, I, I love that. And you, know, you see them on the trail too. You're like, oh, oh God, oh God, how do I know you? I'm like, no, they just go to the Hagen. That's it. I have, <laughs> a, I have people like that too, although they're not people that I've ever met, just people that for some reason I always see out. Like one I call funny nose bow and hair girl. Um, <laughs> some are like customers that I know I've served at restaurants that I've worked at, like um, sort of oddly matched couple is one of them and lady <laughs> with glasses and um just like people that are like stick out in my mind and for some reason i i run into them more often uh than i do even like people i know you know okay now that you say that i have thought of something um so the guy on the jet ski out by boulevard park I know everybody knows that guy and I don't know what his name is. And I've actually had a conversation with him, but he, it's the guy that goes crazy out on the jet ski out on Boulevard park. And he's like out there just whipping it up. And one time, and then I've also seen him downtown and this was a long time ago, but he had like a big kind of like big Jeep Hummer old. I don't even know what that thing is. It looks like a military vehicle. And he had these big, huge wolf dogs in the back. I know people know who I'm talking about. And I did not know that that was one and the same person. So I thought that was jet ski guy and wolf pack guy. And one day I was out at the Squalicum Boathouse or the boating center, community boating center. And um, it's not the Squalicum, it's the community boating center. And lo and behold, my friend and I are on their boat and we come up and I'm like, they go, oh, that's the jet ski. I'm like, and I saw the wolf dogs in the back. I'm like, that is one and the same person. These two legends uh-huh. is one. I thought these were two separate legends and they are the same person, jet ski guy and Wolfpack guy, all the same person. And I actually talked to him cause Ruby and my daughter and I were just like, Oh my gosh, we were just like shocked that he was the same person. And so yeah. we went and talked to him and he's really nice. And, um, yeah, so that was uh, that was a shocker. So that was a good Bellingham moment because a lot of times we'll say, "Oh, only in Bellingham, only in Bellingham." Well, I guess it makes sense because I have never seen Jet Ski Guy and Wolfpack Guy in the same room. So <laughs> it would make sense that they are one it's and an the same. Incognito, <laughs> his alter ego. But then, Ooh. like the day that it came together, was like shocking. Yeah. Yeah, he was unloading his jet ski, and the wolf dogs were in the back. (laughs) That's perfect. Yes. Uh, So we're going to change the subject a little bit and go towards your uh, consulting business. So who do you usually consult? Um, You know, it kind of varies. So I I work a lot with educational organizations, um, a lot of times with school districts. And um, so my whole premise of my business is looking at equity and inclusion in, um, in and organizations. Could, and could we could we define equity and inclusion just like sure. something really quick and straightforward? Yeah, sure. So um, so equity is really looking at um, 
the equitable access to opportunities. And so when we think about equity, um, it's different than equality. Equality basically is giving everybody the same services or same information, um, but not taking into account the history of marginalization. So for instance, if we look at uh, people of color or women or LGBTQI folks um, or people that are indigenous or immigrant communities, um, there's additional barriers that are in the way and that need to be removed before anything can ever be equitable. And so when you think about equity, um, you have to take away those barriers and understand that those barriers are in place and there's reasons why the access to the opportunities, whether it be healthcare, education, voting, um, anything like that, that they can participate in fully, uh, those barriers have to be removed. And so equity is really just ensuring policies and procedures and organizations that make that equity possible and those access points possible. And then the inclusion part, um, a lot of times when I go to conferences and everything, it's diversity and inclusion. And diversity just means there's lots of different people, that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those folks are getting access to promotions and equal access to opportunities. That just means that they're there. Um, and then inclusion means that there's already a status quo and we're just including folks to come in. And that doesn't really also necessarily represent everyone. And it doesn't represent a structure of the organization that is equitable and, and allows people to have their voices heard and actually activated on. So to, to name those terms is, is really important. And also, when I work with organizations, if I have educational organizations, um, I've worked with Microsoft and a lot of corporate folks. I've done um, executive search folks um, that are doing like in the tech industry. So I go to Seattle quite a bit. Um, but I've also gone to Eastern Washington, and which was really fun because I like to actually take road trips over there. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy working over there. Um, and I've also gone down south to San Antonio and worked with them. I've been leading a lot of, since I had a book that came out, so I've been leading a lot of women's leadership summits and keynoting for those. And I also went to Manchester, England um, to keynote a, wow. um, a women, or it was a, a women, what was it called? Racial um, gender justice, racial and gender justice. And um, so yeah, and I've met with people in Paris. I mean, it's, it's been crazy fun. And um, just really, it's mostly in the last probably year or so, our book came out and it was about how women sabotage each other in the workplace. And so things have pivoted a bit more around promoting that. So I've been doing a lot more women's leadership courses, summits, keynotes, um, and really looking at the history of the women's movement and the feminist movement. So doing a lot of webinars and things like that. And now that with COVID, I'm creating a uh, women's leadership course that will be all online. Mm. So the good thing is I've already been teaching online for years. So Annika, you probably <laughs> had some of that from... I did. Yeah. So it was a, it was a great online course. Thank you. Yeah. It's, You're welcome. It, it's hard to, um, to make online manageable, I guess. Um, it, it can be kind of hard for folks. So I think I figured during this COVID crisis, I can, one of the things that I know that I can do is create an online women's leadership course. And so that's kind of the direction I'm taking these days. Yeah. Uh, what, what turned you towards uh, a focus in equity and inclusion? You know, that's a great question. I thought about that this morning. And um, one of the things in about 2015, when I started this business, I had gone to um, Citizen University, which is, I've always been an activist. So even in college, I was at an um, agricultural school and I started an animal rights organization there, which did not go over well <laughs> at all. It was out in West Texas. And um, huh. that, but you know, in a way it's when you are, activating against something that is so um, opposed to the current status quo, it's almost invigorating in a way. And, 
and I really felt like that's where my activist genes started. Um, so, and then when I was in Ohio State during my doctorate, and even at, a little bit at Western during my master's, I was looking at multiculturalism and cultural identity. And then when I got to Ohio State, I did uh, critical race theory and social justice and education. And that also encompassed like anthropology, sociology, so a lot of cultural identity and how do we form cultural identity. And, um, and having lived and moved to so many different places, I always found that fascinating anyway. So that, you know, in 2015, when I went to the, the Citizen University, it was this grassroots activism. And it was people doing all different kinds of things. So I met, that's when um, Black Lives Matter was there the first year I went. And um, Alicia Garza was there. Um, Jose Antonio Vargas, who was, you know, talking about undocumented. Um, he was doing a lot of things around uh, being undocumented. Um, uh, who else was there? Maria Anahosa, who does Latino USA, which comes out of Austin. And, um, and some people that I still consult with um, in Seattle, I met all of them and I thought, you know what, I love teacher education and I love doing, I, I know that I'm making a difference in teacher ed and I know that that's that ripple effect of students like you, Annika, you know, that are, that are out teaching and doing the work and I, I hope that I've made a ripple effect in that end, but I also felt like it was kind of siloed and I felt if I could take this message of racial and gender justice in particular, um, and really expand that to more people and see what other folks are doing in different organizations and how I really like to see how people can make connections and how do we all promote this work together, but in our different little ways. And so I, I, as I was working with other consultants, a friend of mine said, you know, why don't you just open up your own consulting? And I was like, no, I, I don't know anything about business. I don't know anything about being an entrepreneur. And I'd forgotten that I had already had like two other businesses that I forgot about. Um, you know, starting in college, I was like selling baskets to sorority girls. And, and I was like doing a dog sitting and house sitting business in Dallas. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I kind of know how to run a business, sort of. And then I just got a lot of tools and I started, I worked with a small business, um, you know, at Bellingham and just did a lot of different entrepreneurial podcasts and listened to them and just talked with people. And, and then I started it and, and now I, I'm just amazed at how much I've learned about just running a small business and, um, and how important it is. I'm sorry. I think there's a garbage truck or sweets streets <laughs> outside my window, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's kind of, um, how it all started. So you've mentioned your book several times now. Uh, we know it can be found on your website. Could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes. You can find it at any bookstore. Um, if they don't have it on their shelves, you demand it from them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can order it. I like to support local booksellers first and foremost. Um, so Village Books has, should have copies. They did. I, had a, I did a book talk there. Um, I know Elliot Bay and other folks, but if you are, you know, quarantined, which we all are, um, Amazon does sell it. And also, but you know, another way to get it if you don't want to go through Amazon is um, Barrett Kohler is my publisher. And um, that's a really quick way to get it as well. So it's bkpub.org and it's Barrett Kohler, B-E-R-R-E-T-T-K-O-E-H-L-E-R. Um, but yeah, my, there's links to my, on my website as well, which is just joywiggins.com. And um, it's called From Sabotage to Support, A New Vision for Feminist Solidarity in the Workplace. And it's co-written with my um, good friend, uh, Dr. Camille Anderson. And we, um, we basically talk about our different perspectives. She's a black woman and I'm a white woman and she currently lives in Atlanta and I'm, you know, from the South, but she's from Wisconsin. And we just talk about geographic um, experiences, but also how do women support each other better in the workplace? So a lot of it, we start with um, the history of the feminist movement and we kind of, we don't, it's not a, like a huge history of it. It's a, it's a chapter <laughs> on the history of the feminist movement. So we give a good shout out to a lot of women that have been previously marginalized um, black women in particular during the suffragette movement, um, people in the, the different waves of feminism, um, the current activists and what they're doing now, people that uh, you may not know about and the, the 
incredible work that they're doing. Um, and then we talk about implicit bias and how we've been socialized and the messages that we've received as women. Um, we talk about the role of men and how men can be um, active in undoing sabotage. And sabotage is basically just because we live in a patriarchal system. And, you know, it's, it's embedded in most of our structures and mostly in our institutions like education, healthcare, uh, our political institutions, um, our immigration, legal system, the justice system, you know, all of those institutions that are based primarily on a hierarchical uh, white supremacist patriarchal structure. And mm. so we talk about how do we start to recognize that and then start to undo that and dismantle that in ways that makes all voices heard um, makes things more collaborative, less um, less about competition, but how to, and and we talk about we know that it's important to you know have a return on investment our ROIs, but it's also important that people and employees are are treated well, and um, because that's what makes an organization thrive. And so then we just talk about how do we better support women, and we have really good action steps um, in the last two chapters that talk all about it. And then we give workshops and things like that. And um, we just did something in uh, Minneapolis on mending the broken trust between black and white women or creating trust. Actually, that was something we did in Seattle, but the most recent one we did was creating trust amongst black and white women. And that was to a diversity and inclusion conference. And, um, and so, you know, we just, we are realizing the more we go out and talk about this and the more traction we get with the book, how important this conversation is, because it's one that women don't talk about that much. You know, why do we sabotage each other? And mostly it's because we're living in a system that we didn't create. And because we didn't create it, we don't really have access to all the rules. And we feel like it's kind of a desperate survival situation sometimes if we don't, if we don't see ourselves and our voices heard in the organizations we work for. Um, COVID-19, how is that impacting your life and work? Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a nine-year-old um, who is very smart, and if I turn away for a moment, things have been downloaded on the iPad that I am unaware of, um, and next thing I know, I'm paying for subscriptions to apps I didn't know about, um, <laughs> so that is how COVID has been affecting us. Um, the good thing is I know how to homeschool, but I'm also running two businesses. <laughs> you know, I'm running a full-time Western job, redoing all those classes, making them all online, which actually has not been that bad. Um, the only thing is the is trying to give people um, enough room to figure out Zoom and all of that. Yeah. Um, and, and try to um, troubleshoot a lot of things. So Western is really busy with troubleshooting Zoom and all that. Um, my business, the good thing is I do a lot of what we're doing now is podcasts and webinars. So it's been online mostly anyway. So my business is fine. Um, however, I, you know, I have clients that I, you know, I have scheduled out until the fall and everything's on hold. And so there's a lot of business that I've lost just, or that's, you know, just on hold. Um, so in the meantime, you know, I'm doing webinars and things, but, um, yeah, I think that from that's me personally. Um, I think that I've managed the anxiety. Okay. I was also moving in the process. So I've been so busy and so stressed that I haven't really taken in. It hasn't really absorbed yet. Exactly. The other things that I think people are already experiencing, I think is now new to me because I've had a chance to breathe and think about it. Um, I miss my friends a lot and, um, I'm, I'm sad to hear about different people that have died because of COVID and the people that are being disenfranchised, um, mostly how it's affecting people of color in already marginalized and hurting communities. So I think that um, my focus in the next couple of weeks after I get Western kind of on its feet, my classes on its feet, is to look at uh, how to work with community organizations um, and to offer support in any way that I can so that, um, you know, that everybody is at least feeling as though they can be supportive to those communities that are already um, 
you know, having having issues, just access to health care and even voting, like, you know, all the voting stuff that's yeah. in, in Wisconsin. Uh, that, yeah, I'm not going to get into politics <laughs> too much, but I'll try not to do that. But Wisconsin, that was crazy, you know, just that people are, are risking their lives to vote, and that's not the way democracy no. works. So, um, so, you know, things like that, that I'm going to start, you know, really looking at the community organizing and those and and all the things that are going on that underneath our noses while we're trying to deal with this and just survive, there's other things, policies that are and laws being passed and things going on that we're probably not aware of that are, could have really damaging effects on the environment, women, um, people of color, uh, LGBTQI folks. So, so that'll be my focus the next couple of weeks. Definitely. Do you have any final thoughts out there for the folks listening at home, alone, but together? Home, alone, but together? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, just people at home. Yeah, how y'all doing? <laughs> oh, well, you got to find some good Instagram. My, my family, we what we've been doing is sending each I'm sure other people are doing this, but we send each other lots of videos um, of Pluto, Pluto living the little dog. Um, Leslie, God, what's his name? The guy from Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's hilarious. His Instagram account. Just trying to find as much humor as you can, I think, is really good. Um, turn off the news. Just turn it off for a little bit. Now, not too much because there's some shenanigans going on. But yeah. enough to where you're getting out. And, you know, some people are getting on the COVID cycle. Mm-hmm. And they're listening to the COVID constantly. And I think that, that we need to take a break from it. Um, and, and really, if your children are home, and I should, I will be doing this right after I get off with y'all, but um, spending time with your children in a way that you don't have to, um, they're going to be okay if you're not homeschooling them. Um, but find activities, do it like a Montessori approach to where whatever they're inquiring about, or, you know, it's an inquiry-based approach, whatever they're interested in, just follow that and let them research that. So my daughter was looking at Wilma Rudolph, and um, so she wanted to do a whole thing. And then she went on to Sky Brown, a little skateboarder kid, um, and surfer little girl. She wanted to do a whole research thing on that. So she went down the rabbit hole looking at YouTube videos just on Sky Brown. And so now she's practicing skateboarding and doing all of her skateboarding little tricks. So um, I think just, you know, kind of take a Montessori approach with your kids at this point. Just follow their interests. And provide some structure, though, because kids sometimes, if they're if they're getting unruly and if they're they're also managing emotions in different ways, and so um, recognizing that even though they might not be showing that they're emotional, that there's things going on for them, they're still if they're acting out or anything like that, there's probably some underlying emotion behind that, and to really just kind of talk with them and just you know check in with them, and um, and then let them kind of lead their learning because they know what they're interested in, so let them lead for a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for uh, meeting with us. And there were, there were so many things that I really, I would love to go into more and more and more, but uh, just for the, for the sake of time, we we have to move on. (laughs) All right. So I am going to help us wrap up with our final and favorite segment. Uh, This is Local Treasures. In this segment, we do a round table sharing of something we ate, drank, or otherwise consumed that fills us with local pride. Do you have a pick, Joy? What did I have? Yesterday, we went to Pie Hole and got a couple slices. That was the last thing local that I ate. And then my, um, my current roommate... Um, is here with the baby and she's my local chef so she's been cooking up a storm so <laughs> um yeah we went to pie hall and um, muto and kuro kuro for sushi uh yum oh, i've been meaning to go get some kuro kuro i've been craving sushi for like the last four days muto the other day ran out they had so thursday night or no was it thursday i think it was thursday or wednesday maybe and it was wednesday night they ran out of sushi because they everybody was on sushi craze the guy was like i don't know what's going on but (laughs) (laughs) that's really funny um so annika what about you um i 
got pho at from Soy House this week. I ordered it, and it was it was amazing. And it hit the spot. It was amazing, and it hit this. It was amazing. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's a filler <laughs> word of ours that's been critiqued. It was, but it was really it was so good. And I love pho, and I've it just it hit the spot. And usually I love pho when it's raining, but it was beautiful out. And uh, I don't know. I, I miss it. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I might have to go. Yeah. I forgot about getting some pho, so that's a good suggestion. Yeah. Um, for me, my local treasure this week is... Fuck, like I had it. And you can edit this out, Attica, because I like I had it, and now I can't think remember what it was going to be. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. What uh, was it? Let's see if we can jog your memory. Is it? Um, was it Italian? Was it Asian? Was it American? Like what was it? Um, it was American. something I had recently, but now it's just like I can't remember even if it was like a beer or a food. That's oh yeah, it was it was cider. Okay. <laughs> My local treasure this week is Lost Giant Cider. I've really been enjoying their um, dry cider. I love their logo with the little beard man on the front. Um, It's so refreshing. I think cider is a great drink for fall or for spring. And so it's nice that I can just like pick up a six pack at the Hagen, drink it on my porch, sit in the sun. So yeah, that's my local treasure this week. That's nice. I think I might go out and get some. I haven't had Lost Giants yet. Yeah. Yeah, they're really good. So um, with that, we want to thank our guest so much. Thank you, Annika, for all your hosting and editing. And we're going to wrap this up for now. So with that, we're going to leave you with a stay healthy, Bellingham. subdued, Maria. Please stay healthy. Cut. Cut. We want to give a thanks to Jeff Bigley for letting us use his music. A big thank you to Annika for doing the editing for this episode. Special thanks to our special guest. And thank you to all of our listeners. We love you so much. Spread the word. That's amazing. (laughs) See ya.